Josh, before we get started, can you go back to, I think it's the third verse of that song, because that's what we're talking about today. Uh, Hallelujah for the cross. Uh, Boom. A slave to sin, my life was bound, but all my chains fell to the ground. When Jesus' blood came flowing down, hallelujah for the cross. That's a beautiful line. Uh, That's what we're talking about today from Romans 6. Romans 6 is where we'll be today. You can start turning there if you want to. Again, it's the book of Romans in the second Testament of your Bible, known as the New Testament, uh, gigantic letter 6, uh, little letter 15, if you want to get that far ahead of us. Um, welcome to day two. Good morning. 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 See, I told you, I told you you'd all be tired, but I heard a lot of you went to bed at a decent time last night, so good job. Um, well done. Uh, last night, very good job listening. You guys were fantastic. I was actually very impressed at how well you guys were able to listen uh, and pay good attention. So keep that up. Uh, I appreciate that a lot. Uh, and that's, that's how we learn. We learn by focusing and listening very well and filling out our booklets. Oh, speaking of booklets, Isabel Sheasley, you are missing your booklet, aren't you? That's correct. She's actually with my church, so I can kind of embarrass her. Um, so... Yes, continue to, to listen well and take good notes and focus as well. Um, tomorrow, tomorrow afternoon, is one of the top three greatest, most celebrated American-made holidays. What's tomorrow? That's exactly right. It's the Super Bowl. It is the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl is tomorrow. Who's playing in the Super Bowl? The Chiefs. Okay. There are a lot of Chiefs fans here. Any Buccaneers fans? Raise your hand for me. Oh, only a few. The happy few, that's right, the happy few. So, tomorrow in the Super Bowl are the Chiefs and that guy, Tom Brady. All right, all right, all right. I, uh, I understand that there's some sentiment against him here. I actually, I think that Tom Brady is, this is, uh, this is statistically correct, that Tom Brady's good. Like, maybe I don't like him, right, but he's good. I mean, if I'm a Packers fan, I have to admit, he's pretty good if he has to beat the Packers, right? Um, he has to beat Aaron Rodgers to get to the Super Bowl, and he did, after Aaron Rodgers smacked him around the first time. So, I have for us, first off, some Tom Brady stats. Uh, shout out if you know some numbers as to what these are. How many regular games, regular season games, has Tom Brady started in? These are all records that he holds, by the way. What do you think? What's the number? Not 2 million. 299. Tom Brady has started in 299 regular season games. That is a record. Uh, how many of those do you think he has won? This is insane. He has, he has not won zero. Maybe we wish he'd won zero. Tom Brady, out of 299 games, has won 230. That means he's only lost 70 of those games. He's only lost 70 games out of 300. That's pretty good. Um, let's see, how many, how many times do you think he's won his division? How many division titles do you think he has? Close. Okay, so Hudson, Hudson Davis is our resident, is our resident superstar when it comes to sports statistics. Hudson, how many, how many do you think he's won? 19? He has won 18? Oh, he's won 17. He has won 17 division titles in his time in the NFL. He's started in 44 playoff games. He has 33 playoff wins. He has 10 Super Bowl appearances. And how many rings does he have right now? 
Six. Yeah, he's got six Super Bowl rings, and he very well might be about to get his seventh. Not if the Chiefs. Yeah, not if. Not if Patrick Mahomes has anything to say about it. That's right. Yep. So, but he he is on the way to his eleventh Super Bowl, and statistically speaking, statistically speaking, this is this cannot be proven. I know Pat Mahomes might be on his way to overtake this, but as of right now, Tom Brady is the greatest to ever do it. He's the greatest football player to ever live, right? Uh, in 2005, after winning his third Super Bowl against the Philadelphia Eagles, which is my team, so a little tear for me, um, after beating the Eagles in his third Super Bowl, he went on a show called 60 Minutes, and he said this. I thought this was really, really interesting. He asks... Why do I have three Super Bowl rings and still think there's something greater out there for me? Maybe a lot of people would say, hey, man, this is what it is. You've reached your goal, your dream, your life. Me, I think there's got to be more than this. I mean, this, isn't, this can't be all it's cracked up to be. I've done it. I'm 27. I mean, what else is there for me? And the interviewer asks him, what's the answer? What else is there for you? You have done it all. And he says, I wish I knew. I wish I knew. I wish I knew what there was for me. At first I was like, well, yeah, you've done it all. I mean, come on. You've, you've done exactly what you go to the NFL to do, which is be the best of all time. You've worked extremely hard. You have as much money as anybody could think to have. You've succeeded in the NFL. You've succeeded in life. You have a house. Now he has a family and kids. He has a car. He, could have, he has everything he could possibly ever want. If he was going to fulfill a purpose in the NFL, he's done it. But he's asking himself, what is my purpose? What's my purpose? Because even though I've done what I thought my purpose was, it doesn't give me joy or happiness or anything lasting. Like, big deal, three Super Bowl rings. People would kill to get one. I mean, before three years ago, I would have killed to have one for the Eagles. But he has three. And now he has six. And he's saying, I, I wish I knew what there was for me. I wish I knew what my purpose was, right? Do you think if Tom Brady were actually to find his purpose or somebody was to tell him, hey, Tom, you know, this is, this is your purpose. This is what there is for you out there. That he would pursue it with every fiber of his being? Yeah, he would. I think he would. Because of how hard he's worked to get everything else in life and fulfill all those purposes, I think he would wholeheartedly follow after what his purpose is if he was to believe what we told him his purpose was. And that's what we're looking at today. What is my purpose? We've been saved from sin. Those chains fell to the ground because of Jesus Christ and our faith in him. We've been saved from our sin, but we are now slaves to our purpose. Let's read Romans chapter 6, verses 15 through 23, uh, and then we'll pray and dig into it. So Romans 6, verses 15 through 23, if you're there, says this. What then? Are we to sin because we're not under law, but we're under grace? By no means. Do you know that if you present yourselves as anyone, to anyone, as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey? Either sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart of the standard of teaching to you to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, you have become slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. 
For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, which leads to sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things which you are now ashamed? The end of those things is death. But now you've been set free from sin and have become slaves of God. The fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, I confess to you that I am finite. Nothing that, that I can do is ever going to be perfect. Um, and I, I recognize, God, that, that this has to be from your word. Uh, anything I say, God, has to be truth that originates with you. I pray that that truth would change us this morning. I pray that we would recognize that while I've been freed from sin, I'm freed so that I can do something else. I pray, God, that we would, if we're saved this morning, seek to fulfill the reason we've been saved, which is our purpose to fulfill it. In your son's name we pray, amen. All right, so we're saved from sin, slaves to our purpose. Paul uses a lot of terminology there referring to slaves and servanthood and slavery. Um, and we have to understand what he's talking about. Because when we hear the word slavery, we may be thinking something very bad that happened in the 1500s and 1600s where people from Africa were brought to America and to Britain and to all kinds of Western countries and they were treated horribly on the most part. They were treated as, as objects, uh, and, and bad things were done to them. And that might be what we think about when we think about slavery. But when Paul's writing this, in Jesus' time, in the same century, Paul is referring to two million people in the Roman Empire. So an estimated two million people out of six million, that is one-third of the population in Rome, were slaves. And slavery looked very different. There were just as many good masters as they were bad masters, and Paul writes about a lot of those. He says, be a good master, not a bad master to your slaves. And slaves weren't just people that were robbed from their home and ripped of their possessions and ripped of their personhood. They were usually people that couldn't pay off a debt. So if I had went and I would bought like a $700 thing from Walmart, and the bank was like, you can't pay for this. You don't have enough money in your bank account. And we were living in Roman times. They'd say, okay, well, you're now a slave to the bank for seven years until you work off your debt. And so these people, these slaves, were usually slaves that were working off a debt to somebody else that they couldn't pay off in any other way. Uh, and again, there were good, good masters and there were bad masters. Paul writes to one of those good masters. The book of Philemon is a book to a good master, a master who loved his slaves and he gave his slaves good things. So that's a little caveat, little caveat on slavery in the New Testament times for us to understand that, that we can be slaves to really good masters and that master can bless us and give us things and give us inheritances and protect us. Uh, and that's what we're looking at this morning. So verses 15 through 16, point number one in your handout, free to sin, question mark, free to sin. Paul says in verse 15 this, what then, are we to sin because we're not under law but we're under grace? Are we free to do that? Since we don't have to pay the penalty for our sin, should I just go and sin whenever I want? Right? No. He says no, by no means. He, in, in the original language that the Bible is written in, Paul uses the strongest possible way to say, no, don't do that. By absolutely no means, under no circumstances, is that what you're supposed to do? 
He asks, who will you worship? Who will you worship? In verse 16, it says this, Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, that you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin or obedience? One leads to death, one leads to righteousness. You can choose to obey and submit yourselves to sin, or you can obey and submit yourselves to righteousness. We are worshipers. Humans were made to be worshipers. We were made to obey. Uh, we were made to serve, and that's a, a good, blessed thing, right? We don't a lot of times recognize how often we really do serve and obey. Uh, and idolatry is any time, idolatry is any time I choose to worship, serve, and obey anything that's not God or anyone that's not God. So let's say on Sunday afternoon, uh, football's running, it's the NFL season, and I have the opportunity to read my Bible on a Sunday afternoon, uh, really devote my afternoon to God, and do what maybe he wants me to do, or Madden. Joe Madden wants me to watch football and commit my life to football and watching football or whatever other sport it is. And it's like, well, I could, I could obey what God wants me to do, or, I mean, the NFL really wants me to watch the NFL. That's why they're running them at 3 o'clock on Sunday afternoon. So when I go do that thing, when I watch the NFL, I'm doing what it wants me to do, right? I'm sacrificing my time. I'm giving myself to that thing. And so in that instance, I'm committing idolatry, and we are made to be worshipers. What Paul's saying here is anytime I obey somebody, I set myself under their authority because I do what they want me to do. And so you have a choice. If you're saved, you have a choice. I can set myself under God and obey him, or I can set myself under sin and obey it. So then your point under that is my purpose, whether I choose to fulfill it or not, is to worship God through obedience in my relationship with him. This is what we were made to do. Who were we originally made to serve and worship? God. My purpose is to worship God through obedience in my relationship with him. When you do the works of sin, in verse 16, you enslave yourself to sin. What does that lead to? What do we earn when we sin? Romans 6.23 later on says death, penalty. We learned that yesterday, right? But when I obey God, he's a good master. He's a good master. Sin is deceitful, it's temporary, and it never fulfills. Do I want to serve somebody who says, hey, you know, if, if you go do this, if you go do this thing... You'll be happy for a long time, and you'll get all this great stuff. If they're lying, and I find out, oh, I'm not really happy for a long time, and I kind of am left kind of empty afterward. That's a bad master. But what is it, who is God for us as a good master? When I obey, I, I start to live righteously. Yesterday we talked about being justified, right? Which means being declared righteous. I used my little gavel thing, which I don't have up here. Um, when I obey God, I start to live the same way that God views me. So this is a deep theological truth. That God looks at me and he views me, does he view me as justified or unjustified? He views me as justified if I'm saved, right? If I've accepted Christ. But does, does that always mean I do? If I, does that always mean I'm going to never sin again? No, it doesn't, right? But as I obey God... I start to live the way that God looks at me. I start to live the way that God looks at me. Point number two, we are slaves to righteousness. We are now slaves to righteousness. He has freed us from enslavement to sin. Remember, Paul said that we were weak 
last night. Paul said, we're weak. We're not able to free ourselves from enslavement to sin. So Jesus did it for us. He freed us to obey God. We're worshipers, and we desire to worship a master. So the logical conclusion now is now that we're freed to worship a master, we should be freed to worship the one who saved us, right? The one who's given everything to free us from enslavement. That's the guy we should go follow. That's the guy we should obey. That's the one we should set ourselves under. Now, there's a movie that beautifully illustrates this. Just beautifully illustrates this idea. Um, and so the next slide is, is a, a clip from that movie. Uh, you can play it, Josh. Our sound is not working. So we know this is from Toy Story 2 uh, for as long as it continues. And these little alien dudes are about to die. Simply put, they're about to die. Or at least whatever happens to a toy when they cease to, to be animate. Uh, and they, I'll have to just walk you through it with my, with my chief dramatic skills. And so he, Mr. Potato Head pulls these guys back into the truck, right? And they're about to die. And they come. The first thing they do is say, you've saved our lives. We are eternally grateful, right? That's great worship. That's a good response. That's what we're supposed to do. Because Jesus saves us from the penalty for our sin. So what should our response be? You've saved our lives. We're eternally grateful. That's awesome. And they do. And they do it right. If you look at uh, Toy Story 3, watch any of that. Their entire life is now meant to serve Mr. Potato Head. And they do it. They never falter in their service to Mr. Potato Head. There's another beautiful illustration you can pull from this. Is that he adopts them. He adopts them as his sons. And that's what God does for us too. Right? So, these guys have a great response to what we're supposed to do when Jesus Christ saves us from our sin. Why would we serve anybody else than the one who's a good master, who saves us from the bad master, right? So, that's your, your little alien guys. If you are just desperate to hear the actual thing and not my rendition of it, you can go and watch Toy Story 2 when you get home, as long as your parents think that's an appropriate movie to watch. Um, but again, as I obey... I can worship God through serving Christ as our giving, loving master. Number three, uh, how you can and cannot worship. Paul says in verse 19, he says this, I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more of lawlessness, now present your members as slaves to righteousness, so, do present your members as slaves, instruments of righteousness. Present your members instruments of righteousness. This means present every part of your body and your being to serving God. It's not just uh, like when somebody shakes somebody's hand when they're professional, right? It's like, oh, like, this is a professional. Like, this, is a, this is a great guy here. And they say, I'm never washing this hand again, right? I'm, I'm never washing this hand again. Because this has touched a pro. This has touched the guy. Uh, that's not what God wants. God doesn't want you to say, this hand, this arm, that's God's. Like, never again will that be unclean. Never again. No, because then the rest of me is still unclean, right? He wants every part of you, your entire body, your entire will, your entire life to serve him. That's what Paul says. Because if any part of me is not serving God, it's sinning. And so I have to present all of me 
whether it's my physical members or my mind or my desires, all those things need to fall in obedience to God. So prevent, present, present your members instruments of righteousness. Don't, do not present them instruments of uncleanliness. Don't use parts of your body. Don't use your mind, your will, nothing. Don't allow any of that to commit sin. Don't allow any of that to commit sin. So do, don't present your members as instruments of uncleanness. It's as simple as that. Do sin, uh, uh, don't sin. Don't sin, do righteousness. Don't sin, do righteousness. Where's my table? That's okay, I don't need my table. I can carry it. All right, so that's a, that's a simple truth, right? But some of you might, some of you might be asking, come on, it's not that simple. I don't need it, Jason. I think we'll be fine. We're good. Uh, it's that simple. Just don't sin. Don't sin, do righteous. Obey, easy. Some of you might be saying, it's not that easy. I mean, come on, there are some times where I really, really want to sin. There are some times when I really, really don't want to obey. Uh, and so the best way to illustrate this, I think, is it's like the difference between cake and carrots. It's like the difference between cake and carrots. So I have a real cake here. This is a real cake. And uh, it was made from the kitchen of Jennifer Gogarty because I can't cook. And so that's my mother. Thank you, Mom. It's a cake. It smells delicious. Same cake I've had for the entirety of my life on my birthday. Uh, and it's really, really good. It's really, really delicious. But what's going to happen if, and this is where I need some, some interaction here. What's going to happen if I only ever eat cake with my entire life? So, yeah, you can, yeah I'm going to get sick, right? If I only eat cake maybe once, is anything really bad going to happen to me? No, no. Um, so, so, what am I saying here? I can, I can look at you and say, like, I'm eating cake, and it's delicious. It's a real cake. It's, it's pretty stinking good. But, uh, but if I only ever eat cake for a long time, I'm going to start to say, you know what, maybe you were right. Uh, maybe that cake wasn't the greatest thing for me to be eating. If I eat cake for my entire life, odds are I'm going to die. I am going to die very soon if I only eat cake. And sin's the same way, right? Before we're saved... Uh, we're going to die from partaking of this cake because all we do before we're saved is sin. We are unable, we're weak to do anything that's truly good. So I eat this cake and I eat this cake and I eat this cake and boom. Eventually someday I realize this cake is sin, right? And when I'm saved, I have a choice. I have a choice. I can, like Paul's saying, I can, I can eat of the cake and suffer the consequences or I have this bag of carrots, baby carrots, right? So... So when I'm saved, when I've only ever eaten cake, right? Let's say the only thing I've ever eaten in my entire life is the cake. Are the carrots going to taste very good? They're not. They're not going to taste very good compared to the cake. But this one, if I only ever eat this one, is going to do what? Kill me, right? Eventually it's going to kill me. If I eat the carrots, that's not going to be the case. I'm going to get healthy and over prolonged use and partaking in the carrots, I'm going to be healthy, and I'm going to get stronger, and I'm going to continue to grow. And sin is very similar to the cake, and obedience is very similar to the carrots, right? If all I ever do, even if I'm saved, is sin, the carrots are not going to taste very good. But if you've ever eaten healthily for a really long time, you start to realize that this really is bad for you. And these don't start to taste as bad anymore. And eventually the healthy food will start to taste really good. And the sugary food will start to taste really bad. Trust me. Uh, I know a guy who eats healthy a lot of the time. And he just really can't stand a lot of unhealthy foods anymore. 
And that's what obedience is like, all right? The carrots are like obedience. The cake is like sin. If I eat cake way more often than I eat carrots, if I sin way more often than I obey, I'm never really going to start to see the benefits of eating healthily, of obeying. And sin is going to be the, one of the only things that tastes good to me. Even though I might want to obey, I'm not going to see the benefits of long-term obedience. That's what it looks like to start obeying after having disobeyed for a really long time. Right? So that's why it's hard for us to obey because that sin will always look like cake. But we're told to not partake of it because it's, good, it's bad for us. It's really, really bad for us. Uh, and as a caveat, if you're somebody who says, okay, so in that analogy, I've, you know, I've, I've disobeyed a lot. Or I, I, I do really good a lot of the time. I obey really well a lot of the time. But then I just go back and I just dig into the cake. And, you know, I've been obeying for a really long time, but there's just this day where I get really stressed. I feel a lot of pressure. And all of a sudden I go and I just, I just sin like none other, right? I just take fistfuls of that sin cake and I just stuff my face. God says that I can always go back to him. And I can always confess and say, God, you know what? I, today I messed up. I failed. I went crazy in sin. And he says, one, if you're saved, it's already been forgiven. You're positionally forgiven. You can have your relationship with him restored in fellowship. And you can always go back to obedience. That's repentance, right? So, our purpose reiterated. Worship God by serving Christ as our giving, loving master. Because when we obey, he promises us, he promises us some things. Right? He promises us that we'll grow. He promises us that we'll find true joy in fulfilling our purpose. Unlike Tom Brady, we will find joy, lasting happiness. Uh, and, and obedience will become sweet to us because we'll be serving our master like we're supposed to be. Number four, choose your wages. Choose your wages. Remember the consequences of your work. Right? Wages is like what I earn. What am I earning by doing certain things, by partaking in certain actions? What do I earn? If I sin, what I earn, if I'm saved, is still suffering. It's still pain. It's still death, right? If I sin, I'm, I'm going to suffer because that's what sin brings, even if I'm saved. I may not suffer separation from God eternally, but sin will still bring suffering, Obedience. What are the wages of obedience? Growth, joy, and fellowship. And then, remember, this is all possible through God's grace. It's only by God's grace that I do righteously. Before we're saved, we're weak, dead, unable to save ourselves. And because Jesus Christ is giving you life as opposed to death, you can now choose your wages. You can now... Worship God by obeying him. I think that last quote at the bottom of your guys' handout says this. If I recognize what I was saved from, I will run away from opportunities to sin. If I, was, if I recognize what I was saved to, I will run into the comfort and service of my gracious Savior. Sin is not a good master. Sin takes away. Jesus gives. It's pretty, pretty simple. Uh, 
to look at who is the good and gracious and giving master. So in conclusion, as Joshua said at the end of his life, choose this day whom you will serve. If you're saved this morning, are you saved so that you can be free from penalties of sin so that you can continue to sin more? No. No. You've been saved so that you can be a slave to righteousness. We are now slaves to our purpose. We now obey what God intended for us to do, which is worship him through obedience in my relationship with him. What a great master we serve. If we're saved this morning, what a great master we have the opportunity to serve. He calls us sons. He promises us blessings and inheritance. And he is a giving master. He's not only given us life, he gives us so much more through his grace. He's gracious and he loves you and he wants a relationship with you. It's not about him saying, you've done wrong, you've sinned, fix it. No, he says, I fixed it for you. Just serve, just love me. How can we serve him? By presenting ourselves servants to him. Romans 12 says this, that we should present ourselves as living sacrifices to him for it's our good and reasonable worship. If we present ourselves as servants to him, we're worshiping him, we're obeying him. And finally, remember which master gives good wages, or which wages. If you're saved this morning, you've been enabled to obey the good master. Go fulfill your purpose. Obey the good master. That's your purpose. If you're unsaved, God's offer of salvation from slavery to sin is still available to you. If you left last night and you said, you know, I'm, I, I'm a lawbreaker and I don't think I have had that justification imparted to me. I haven't been declared righteous by God because I don't have my faith in Jesus Christ. I don't know what that means. I, I maybe am struggling to make that decision. Uh, again, this offer is still available to you. And the, the reality is, whether or not you think so or feel so, if you're not saved, you are a slave to sin. You are a slave to worshiping sin, uh, and, and you're doomed to separation from God. And so, if that's the case, talk to your counselor this morning. That offer is still available to you. Uh, your counselors, you may not think this, but it's true that they would love to talk to you about this because that's why they're here. They're here to help you, you who are saved grow in your walk with God and those who are not begin your walk with God. So which master are you serving today? Are you saved from sin and slaves to your purpose like the title says? Or are you slaves to sin in need of being saved for your purpose? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I uh, thank you for your word, for what it tells us about our our opportunity that you show us to be saved, God, through Jesus Christ and what he's done, not what we've done. God, I thank you that when we're saved, we're saved so that we can fulfill a goal. And that goal is to serve you and to obey you. God, I, I pray that these young people would say, you know what, I, maybe I haven't been obeying God even though I'm saved. God, I pray that this would be an opportunity for them to take a step back and say, you know what, I'm saved, but I'm still eating of the cake, of the sin that I know is temporal, but I still do it. I pray, God, that for those of us that are that way, that we would just repent and say, you know what, I'm going to start obeying. For those of us that need to have a relationship with you at all, I pray that we would repent of our sins today.
believe in Jesus Christ as our Savior. In your son's name I pray. Amen.